Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. Wow, we are in month four of our The Hour Has Come study. It's December, and I know that you're busy. I hope you can take just a few minutes to think about betrayal this morning. I know that's not a fun thing to think about. It's certainly not fun for me right now. But we are going to talk about Judas, the ultimate betrayer of the Lord. And in talking about him, I really want to broaden our horizon here and not just think about Judas betraying Jesus to the Pharisees, the Jews, but I'd like to think about the characteristics of betrayal because I suppose that all of us have at some point in time felt the pain of being betrayed or I'm going to say backstabbed by someone that we thought had our best interests in mind. And so I'd like to broaden the characteristics here from Judas of betrayal and then I would like to, in the next study, perhaps take some some positive things about Judas that we can learn from as well. I don't want this study to just be negative. But I was thinking about betrayal and especially about the article that we were reading from Wayne Jackson from the Christian Courier about the steps of Judas' betrayal. And I really believe that we can follow those steps in all kinds of betrayal in life, whether it is a business partner who pilfers as Judas was doing, someone who takes advantage of me financially when I thought he had my best interest at heart, someone who takes advantage of my friendship and is involved in friendship with me because he wants something for himself, or someone who betrays a trust in a conversation, someone who goes and tells something to someone else to my harm when I thought I was speaking in confidence, or someone who, and this one is very, very difficult in the lives of so many uh, women to whom I've talked and with whom I've cried, but someone who betrays in marriage follows these same steps. And I think looking at Judas helps us to be aware that the innocent party in a financial betrayal, in a marriage betrayal, in um, a confidence betrayal, that the innocent party is innocent. And it is the betrayer's guilt that um, now I understand that there are even in marriage situations that there are no perfect people, but there certainly are innocent people, innocent of betrayal, people who were keeping the sacred vows of marriage in a case where there is adultery or a marriage betrayal. In all of these cases that I've mentioned, there are steps that are generally followed that I think we can outline in the life of Judas with the help of the article that we read from the Christian Courier. He said that first, Judas just stopped caring. Judas stopped caring. And we read the scripture that he pointed out in First John 3, verse 17, that whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion 
from him, how dwells the love of God in him? When people stop caring about the needs of others, whether whether they are financial needs or security needs, or when people stop caring about how the fellow man feels about his pain, when people stop caring or become callous to the feelings of other people, then that's the beginning of betrayal. And we read about Judas, of course, um, when he stopped caring, we notice an incident when Mary, Lazarus' sister, was anointing Jesus with that precious ointment, remember, and Judas complained about that. His rationalization was that this valuable substance should be sold and the money should be given to the poor. But then we have the Holy Spirit telling us through John that his his protestation there, his complaining had really nothing to do with caring for the poor. He was wearing a front that he cared about the feelings of other people. He was acting like the good guy in this scenario when really he was interested in himself. And John tells us that in chapter 12, verse 6. Not that he cared for the poor, but that he was pilfering in the treasury. He was taking something for himself. And so many times when there's betrayal in a marriage or in the lives of people around us in any scenario, first we find that they are living a life as though they care but they're really not working in the best interests of those around them. And then Brother Jackson points out that he became a thief. And we're going to talk about this a bit later or even in the podcast. He wasn't a thief always, but he became a thief in John 12, verse 6. When we think about betrayal in life, we realize that those who stop caring then start taking what belongs to other people for themselves. And it might be honor. It might be time with children or time with a spouse or uh, time that they are supposed to be giving at work in a business scenario, but they start taking for themselves things that really don't belong to them. It, It might even be sexual pleasures that don't belong to them. Whatever it is, they become then thieves. First, they stop caring about others. Then they become thieves. And then it says they influence other people to act as they are acting. And we see that Judas in Matthew 26, verse 8, and in Mark 14, 4, he influenced other apostles to become self-promoters. Let's look at those verses really quickly. I'm going to turn there. Matthew 26, verse 8 says, There came to this woman, to Jesus, this woman who had the alabaster box and poured the oil on his head. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? So by Matthew 26, Jesus' other apostles had been influenced in the scenario of this woman who apparently this is a different woman and they behaved as Judas had behaved earlier then we read about that same thing in Mark 14 verse 4 and it says there were some that had indignation within themselves and said why was this waste of the ointment made it could have been sold for 300 pence and been given to the poor 
and they murmured against her. So we have Judas having apparently influenced other apostles to make the same statement that he made when Mary was anointing the Lord. So Judas influenced other disciples. When you find betrayers in your life, are they trying to get people on their side? Are they trying to? Are they going around, uh, maybe repeating a narrative or influencing other people to come over to their side to believe as they do, to think that they are innocent in the betrayal? You know, um, I I see that often in lots of different scenarios. Judas influenced other disciples. He was using his formerly good name to influence others to become betrayers um, or to become uncaring about the poor and to make the same the very same statements that he had been making. Judas then, after having influenced other disciples, indeed became a backstabber. And the passage, of course, that we were given there is John 6, verse 64. And in that passage we read, Jesus said, But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. So actually here, it's not saying that Jesus, that Judas was the betrayer from the beginning. It's that Jesus knew that Judas was the one who would betray him. So I think that's interesting. Uh, We need to make that distinction. It didn't say that he was a betrayer from the beginning, but that Jesus knew that he was the one who eventually would backstab or betray him. Uh, Look around at those who have committed betrayal against you. They are willing to, when your back is turned, to do some pretty evil things to you that will eventually be very painful for you. Judas then, the scripture says, allowed full entrance to Satan. Luke 22, verses 3 through 6. And that reads, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve, and he went his way, and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money, and he promised. And then he sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. This is where Judas made the covenant. He he allowed Satan. Now, he had messed up before. He had lost at least some of his compassion. He had influenced others to think as he was thinking. But now, he gives Satan full interest, full entrance and interest in him. And whatever reservations he had at this point, he threw away. Now, um, I've, I've talked to, to lots of people who have, let's say, betrayed in marriage, and they can tell you the moment when they decided that this was going to happen. I mean, almost always when I ask, when did you know? There's a moment when they decided, I'm going to let this occur. I I think that this was the moment for Judas. I mean, here he was, having been influenced to be uncaring and selfish and have the characteristics of someone who would 
be deceitful to those people for whom he was supposed to be living his life, who were supposed to, he had covenanted with, of course, Jesus and the other apostles. But now he took that covenant and gave it to someone sinful, gave it to someone else so that it would eventually hurt those with whom he had made the covenant. He was now all in because he went and gave the covenant that he was supposed to have with Jesus Christ to someone else. We see that all the time around us when covenants are broken and made then with someone else, with someone sinful. So Judas then allowed full entrance to Satan by making a covenant with someone else. We do that when we covenant to... um, to mismanage money that doesn't belong to us. We do that when we covenant to give our time, supposed to be time at work, to something else. And when we when we actually enter that covenant, we give the time that belongs to our boss to another boss. Or when we give information that belongs to Let's say government spies give information to other governments. When they finally do that, then they have let those characteristics of a betrayer give full entrance. They are, it's beyond stopping now. And when, certainly when a marriage partner enters into the most sacred of relationships, the sexual intimacy with in an unsacred environment and without the vows of marriage and breaks those vows of marriage, then that is the moment when they have allowed Satan full entrance. Judas then became a betrayer. He did not, he wasn't a betrayer at first. We're going to, we're going to discuss how that at the very end, Jesus was praying for all of those 12 without exception. But Judas became a betrayer in all of the Gospels. Mark 3, Matthew 10, Luke 6, and John 6. All of them record the fact that Judas was the betrayer of the Lord. And Judas went to hell. We know that because he's called the son of perdition who went to his own place. Matthew 27, verse 3. John 17, verse 12. And Acts 1, verse 25. Because he was the betrayer of the Lord... Because he allowed Satan full entrance and never repented, he went to hell. Betrayers today who do not repent will go to hell. I think that sometimes we don't like to say that. I was talking to a woman last night who was teaching on the fear of the Lord. And and she said so many people like to just, just define the fear of the Lord as a deep reverence. Well, that's it. But that's not all of it. The Hebrew word there in the book of Proverbs that continues to talk about the fear of the Lord includes trembling, an actual bodily and spiritual fear, a trembling before the Lord. Well, that's not the comfortable way to say that. We'd like to say it's a deep reverence for the Lord because that's sort of an easy way out of sin. You know, I don't want to do evil surmisings here, but we don't hear very much about trembling before the Lord, and that is involved in the word there. I think it's the same way with the eternal destination of people who live in impenitent sin. It is hell. 
we hear that sometimes uh, the well about the worst terminology that we hear is that they're lost but we don't hear that very much what we hear is mostly that well i'm not going to i'm not going to judge for that person i'm going to let god be the judge of that i'm not going to i'm not ever going to talk about the eternal destiny of those people who are involved in impenitent sin and we're certainly not going to hear from the pulpit a lot of descriptions that are very biblical about hell but i think when we read about judas and that he was the son of perdition and that he went to his own place. And then finally, we turn over to Acts 1, verse 25, when they're choosing the replacement for Judas, that he might take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. We have him described as the son of perdition, the son of hell, the son of, and he he went then because he fell by transgression to his own place. I'm going to go ahead and mention here though, that you can't fall from something upon which you never stood. So Judas' ministry and apostleship was something in which he stood and then he fell. It's important that we know that. It's important that we know that because of the amazing influence of Calvinism in our society today, which would suggest that if a person is not saved eternally, that he was never saved in the first place. I'm telling you, when we look at Judas, it gives us two choices. That he was saved and absolutely fell from that salvation, from that trusted apostleship, and ended up being lost, or that he was never saved in the first place, which flies in the face of the passages that we've been studying this month. Judas was a full-fledged apostle. He was entrusted by the other apostles with the money. He was chosen by Jesus. He was given the same miraculous gifts as were the other apostles. And in the end, the summary, when they were choosing his replacement, said, mentions the ministry and the apostleship from which Judas fell, that he might go to his own place. I'm telling you, Judas was a a full-fledged, intimate with Christ, saved apostle. And he fell from that position because of betrayal. I hope that just talking about this betrayal of Judas helps us to realize the dangers that we all can encounter as saved people. And that if we allow those first characteristics of betrayal to take root in our hearts, then there comes a point in which we allow Satan full entrance. Let's just be scared of that. Let us fear the Lord. Let us tremble at the fact that someone who was in the inner circle of Jesus, one of the 12, a saved apostle involved in the ministry, caring for the treasury because he was trustworthy, could step by step come to a point when he was a full-fledged betrayer, backstabbing the very Lord who would die on Calvary for him. 
I hope you have a good day. It's hard to have a good day after talking about something so um, serious, sober, and severe as we've discussed. But I think it's helpful to us to help us to be sure that we are in the Word, that we are digging deep, and that we are determined that we're going to humbly submit our lives to Him until we go to the grave. Hope you have a good day.